Hey, Joel. Did you pick a card for the new year yet? Mm -hmm. Change is coming. Out with the old, in with the new. Mm, exactly. I'll see you soon. All right, bye. Mama Bear, come here, give me a hug. Hey, look at the angles. How have you been? Okay, he's spoken for. Remember when you guys were just switching each other in and out of your bedroom? Like the sluttiest game of musical chairs. And you guys? Oh, yes. We don't have to do this. Any game? Yeah. No, no, babe, I want you. I don't want things to be different just because I'm here. Oh, Jesus. Who is this stranger? You were my first midnight kiss. <laughs> now I wouldn't be your last. Hi, this is Russell Todd from Chopping Mall. He knows you're alone in Friday the 13th Part 2, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues. Uh, this is episode 302. Uh, and this time uh, we are covering Midnight Kiss, which was one of those into-the-dark um, made-for-TV movies. It was, kind of a, it was a kind of TV series, wasn't it? We were just talking about this before we started recording. It was a series of films that were done um, with uh, Hulu and uh, Blumhouse in collaboration, and it wasn't the only. There wasn't only a slasher in this, was it? I think School Spirit was another slasher. Yeah, I've seen School Spirit. It's um, it's not bad. Uh, there's a few more slashers, I believe. I believe uh, My Valentine might be a slasher. I haven't seen it, but uh, uh, I saw there. I'm just fucking with you, which is not a slasher, and then Puka. Which is, I guess, kind of a monster movie, sort of. Uh, but there's like 24 episodes. Okay, yes. Well, we're covering, and this was a suggestion, wasn't it, of uh, of a listener. Is it Nick Mua? Yeah, Yannick Mua or Nick Mua or Moi. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm sorry, Nick or Yannick. Um, but he was really champing at the bit for us to talk about this. And what's funny is like... You know, he, he he kept asking, you know, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? I'm like, soon, soon. I'm thinking, this dude really loves Midnight Kiss. And then I went and read some of his comments on our um, feedback, and he just seems kind of nonplussed about it. I'm like, okay, then why did you pick it, dude? But, uh, yeah, I am kind of looking forward to talking about it, you know, either way. Okay. Well, the I mean, the distinct uh, distinctive thing, I guess, about, um, about uh, Midnight Kiss is it's uh, kind of it's a kind of a gay slasher, isn't it? Super gay. Super gay, and we can talk about some of the kind of other uh, gay, lesbian. I don't know if there's any transgender, but there's certainly quite a few kind of um, uh, sort of uh, gay-friendly slashes that have come out over the last twenty years. Uh, so, so Midnight Kiss will be coming onto that, uh, not literally. That's, that joke never gets old, does it, Eric? How are you doing? That's how I'm doing. Ah, I feel your... as if somebody has thrown string at me. Oh, well, it wouldn't be an episode without someone throwing string on you yeah arcing ropes of string <gasps> yes i imagine some kind of stringy things comes in <laughs> comes in your face if, more than once oh a weekend. my goodness what like begins threat. already what what you say joseph something bold um i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to listen back like everyone else yeah. eric mm. so anyway i'm glad to hear your <laughs> you're channeling your inner mrs Voorhees. so nathan how are you doing today I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm okay. Are you excited to be talking about Midnight Kiss? Um, yeah. It's uh, it's got a lot of like butts in it. It's got a lot of butts. <laughs> yes, there is a 
there are probably more butts than uh, most slash movies put together, I imagine. And um, that's something I'm sure, Joseph, that attracted you to Midnight Kiss in the first place. Oh, yes. I um, oiled my chest and quaffed <laughs> my hair and went to uh, Banana Republic and got dressed before I watched this movie. Excellent. I'm being very stereotypical. Sorry. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll be talking Midnight Kiss uh, in a more se- well, semi-serious way. Coming up, before we do that, in time, honours tradition, um, we'll have a little chat about what we've been watching recently. So, um, Eric, have you caught up with anything you want to tell us about? Get my ass, cunt. Um, sorry, I'm just... Hy- I'm soundboard heavy today. I'm soundboard yeah. heavy I'm just hyper from my Pepsi. Um, I saw, after your recommendation on the last episode, Crystal Eyes, which was the modern Argentinian giallo. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's quite something. Uh, I have to say that I was going to enjoy it regardless, just from the solitary fact that the killer is so unique in it. He looks he or she, I should say, looks really weird in that get-up costume. And the fact that they're posing and throwing shapes uh, as if they're on a catwalk as they're approaching their victims makes it certainly a -a one-of-a-kind viewing experience. I mean, the film is lacking, I thought, a, a central character as such, throughout the whole movie. I mean, we get our final girl, but I, you know, it felt to me like she only makes her proper appearance sort of late into the film. Uh, so structurally, it's kind of off, but um, for a low-budget Argentinian giallo to look this good, and as you said, the like the interiors of one of the houses looks exactly like the, the sleeping quarters of um, whatever her name is from Suspiria. Uh, Susie, I think it is. Um, Mel DeMarcos. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I thought it, I thought it was brilliantly entertaining. It was kind of funny, but it wasn't um, overtly. Um, it it wasn't going down the same route as as sort of scary movie type of funny, but it was really really funny. I thought. Um, I mean, it it sets up this character um, Alex something. Uh, yeah, you see, I've done my research. I didn't take any notes on this when I was watching it, but she said she's a supermodel at the start who gets killed in an accident, and that sets up the murders that happen later. And Alexis she's, Carpenter. That's it, Alexis Carpenter, and she's such a super bitch. It's absolutely hilarious. She's like something straight out of Dynasty or Melrose Place. Um, I thought she was just so wonderfully over the top, and she she throws hot coffee into her makeup artist's eye as well, which is a key plot point. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Really, really, really fun. 80 minutes as well. Take note, people. 80 minutes is a good duration. Um, And just, as I said, it's worth it just for that killer alone. They could plonk that killer into, you know, Hollywood's new blood and it would make it a really watchable film. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the recommendation because I'd never heard of it seven days ago. Okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I think, Nathan, you saw it as well, didn't you? I did, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it, the killer's outfit is one of the creepier ones that I've seen. Like, I think that would be kind of, uh, scary. And I love the scene in the, um, the parking garage where the killer is doing these kind of like model poses, you know, menacing one of the models. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and I told you guys this, but my track record for not guessing the killer correctly is still intact because, I uh, got this one wrong as well. 
Oh, I thought you got that one right, or did I miss? I miss, misread that. No, I got I got it right. Yeah, ah. Eric got it right. Mm. I know you got the killer right on the Midnight Kiss, didn't you? You were saying I was super yeah. excited. See, I made up for uh, Crystal Eyes with Midnight Kiss. Is that because the um, the cast uh, doesn't go into double figures? Well, that sounds shady, Justin. <laughs> it does sound shady. <laughs> does it? <laughs> it's just it's just uh, it's just stating the facts that's what i'm doing uh, yeah yeah <laughs> granted there aren't many to choose from in midnight kiss and half of them are already dead but anyway i digress thank you nathan uh, joseph did you get a chance to watch that no i have not and i can go ahead and tell you to uh, skip me on recently seen because i've not seen one damn thing since we've recorded last except for what we're talking about on the show so okay because we're, we're as as is um would be uh typical of one of uh, Eric's nights out. We're cramming two into. Um, we're cramming two shows into uh, one week, aren't we? More or less. Well, we normally it's a, we have a two week uh, break uh, between shows, but uh, we are sort of uh, cramming them all in. So uh, yes, I'm 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 impressed that you got to see something. Did you see anything else, Eric? Um, no, that was it. Okay, uh, Nathan, how about you? Um, well, I finally got around to watching Shutter Island. Hmm. <laughs> you talked you talk about that last time. <laughs> no. He's being silly. Oh. <laughs> no, I have I haven't had a chance to watch anything else aside from what uh we're covering. Okay. So that's gonna be that's the new Alan Dale, isn't it? I can tell. We haven't mentioned him in a while. No. We haven't, no. Where's he been? Where's been the girl with the giant hair that turns into a big cockroach? Yeah. All the greats. Well, see, we're breaking the curse there. We just um, we just got reintroduced them. So, um, okay, and uh, and Joseph, you've not seen anything. So, I haven't seen any films as such. I don't think, but I have. I the couple of things I quickly mentioned. One is I've started watching the um, the new series of Fargo on Amazon Prime, which I'm only re- really uh, mentioning it because um, I've I saw the first two series of Fargo and I've kind of. I kind of just dip back into this one and it's it's really good but the reason I'm mentioning it it seems to be there's a lot of kind of um, home invasion your next style stuff going on kind of home alone adult home alone stuff going on in this um which just kind of made me think of kind of the slasher movie style thing although it's not really a slasher movie at all but if you're a fan of um your next uh, then there's quite a lot of that shenanigans at least in the um, the first uh four episodes that I've been watching and it's also got Jennifer Jason Lee playing um, ultra icy, bitchy kind of millionaire. So I'm having fun with that. Um, I'm uh, really excited because um, we were down to two shows, me and Wes were, that we were you know, going to watch, and we decided on Broadchurch. So we've been watching that, but Fargo was next on my list. So I'll be going to the first season. Although it's worth mentioning that it's um, they're all standalone stories. With a few interconnecting characters, I think um, quite often they're set in different time periods as well. So uh, just just FYI, but I kind of yeah, I've enjoyed the ones I've seen. I say I've, I haven't seen episodes um, series three and four. Um, the other thing I watched on recommendation was on BBC iPlayer, which I presume it was an MGM Plus series. So I'm presuming that has um, been out in the states. Was um, Amateurville the origin story? Which is a four-part, like um, four-hour sort of look back at the Amityville horror, uh, and obviously, I think MGM made the movies, so there's lots of stuff from the movies, lots of clips, uh, and they kind of delve back into it. But there's lots of stuff I didn't know because I kind of knew quite a lot about the Amityville horror from 
from it being released um, back in 1979 um, when I wanted to see it as a 10 year old. And I've regaled, I'm sure, the, the seeing the, the famous, the infamous shot of the little boy at the top stairs of the white eyes. And it was on the, um, I was off school ill and it was, uh, they showed it on a, a, a lunchtime TV program called Pebble Mill. Which I, you probably didn't get that, Eric? Did you? I did. Probably before yeah. your time. Oh, you did get Pebble Mill. Yeah, okay. it was around. I remember watching Toya on Pebble Mill at one. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite low cost. It was that kind of lunchtime <gasps> kind of stuff. So, so they could probably afford it. Rude. Um, but uh, yeah, they had the Lutzes on there being interviewed with that famous photo, and I can I still remember that to this day. That kind of gave me the creeps. But yeah, it's kind of interesting because it goes into quite lots of different things around the obviously the. The, the Fayo murders, but also to the films, and they cover. They have Diane Franklin talking about um, her playing the sister, the Fayo sister in Amityville to the Possession. Uh, so yes, yeah, so if you're a fan of the movies, it kind of goes into quite a lot of that, um, and also it does cover tangentially a little bit Amityville Karen, which you mentioned. Um, so they say there's all the you know Amityville space and Amityville werewolf. They kind of towards the end but uh yeah there's some interesting stuff there and especially actually it was the the kind of interview with one of the um the Lutz sons who who um uh, was talking and saying that there was actually some haunting in the house but it was it was completely uh kind of exaggerated by his parents uh for kind of uh, money making purposes but there was something actually going on in the house which I didn't realize so anyway, if you've got BBC iPlayer, you can watch that for free. Um, I presume it's on some kind of MGM Plus channel in the States. So is that it? I don't think there's anything else to cover. So um, what do we have for Midnight Kiss? Do we presume you don't have a trailer or do we have a trailer? We do have a trailer. It's Hulu teaser trailer. Well, we'll play with that. And um, whose choice is this? This is mine. This is yours. Okay, Joseph, after this, if you want to come in and tell us about Midnight Kiss. Oh, she's a model. Yeah. Oh, my God, you're so excited. And who do we have here? Who is this stranger? A group of gay best friends and their gal pal head to a desert home to celebrate New Year's Eve. But when a sadistic killer wants in on the party, relationships are tested and secrets are exposed as the night turns into a fight for survival. And uh, that was the official synopsis from the Hulu streaming service for Into the Dark's Midnight Kiss, or simply Midnight Kiss, whichever. And this was chosen, as we said, um, by listener Nick Mua. Or Mua. Um, and I suppose the most interesting thing about the film is that it's something a tad new for us, as if you're not totally aware. As we've said, um, Into the Dark is this kind of anthology series. You know, not unlike, say, Black Mirror from Netflix, but with less of a sci-fi bent and more of a generalized horror approach. Um, that and, you know, rather than being a standard hour long episode, each segment is a feature length film. Um, and for me, I think the interest pretty much stops there for Midnight Kiss. I'm afraid the plot more or less follows that kind of tried and true structure of a defining incident coming back to haunt characters years later. And in this case, it's a group of gay characters who are, um, you know, champing at the bit to kind of participate in this uh, New Year's Eve game where they all just kind of kiss someone who's not their significant other 
as long as there's um what's the word I'm looking for uh you know what's the word I'm consent? looking for help me out guys consent yes thank you um but um yeah the uh the defining incident comes back to haunt them years later in the form of a psychopath so there's nothing too deep about the plot but you know that's fine um it opens with a pretty shocking shower murder and then goes on to implement a few uh you know a few clever kill scenes and sight gags along the way not least of which is a forced kind of deep throat of a broken champagne bottle and then one victim to be has his mouth stuffed with fireworks late in the film and i'm thinking the sigmund freud in me would probably say that might be telling i don't know um the killer brings about shades of the murderer from cruising wearing this kind of creepy pup mask and the themes here i I guess they kind of borrow heavily from that film as well. But the problem is I just didn't care. I mean, first of all, there's absolutely no suspense for a couple of reasons. Um, the murders just kind of happen with no buildup. You won't get a chase scene or even a stalking scene beyond that opening shower murder. And I think the biggest sin is it makes is that all of the characters are very forgettable. They're kind of defined by nothing else except for who they once fucked, you know, who they are currently fucking and who they hope to fuck later in life. Um, you know, I kept hoping, you know, one or the other would have a defining character trait um, beyond who they want to sleep with. I mean, it's not only monotonous, but I, I think does a bit of a disservice to some of the themes they're trying to achieve here. And the dialogue is often kind of rapid fire you know, with the end of sentences cut off by the next character in line to speak. And, you know, if it weren't for the consistent sex rap sheet that they keep, you know, checking off, I probably wouldn't remember a single character's name. Um, as I said before, the film has a, it has like a, a professional sheen to it, but there's no real atmosphere to be had. It's basically a bunch of uh, just quaffed pretty boys in an art deco mansion standing around waiting to be killed. It really reminded me of The Pool from 2001, you know, where every character is this kind of well-to-do poster child of an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. But, you know, at least there we had exciting kills and suspense sequences and a few of the uh, uh, a few of the, the characters, they kind of go beyond their stereotypes in that film. You know, anyone with even the slightest bit of familiarity with picking out uh, the mastermind in a whodunit will spot the killer pretty much from the off. For a couple of reasons, not least of which is the actor being the only person with any sort of name recognition. So, I don't know. I appreciated the film for what it tried to do, but it just didn't land for me at all. I mean, watching the movie for the show, I couldn't help but wish that Nick would have chosen an episode from something like Thriller. The Brian Clemens series, I think it is. Um, that's not to say Midnight Kiss is bad. It's you know It's perfectly watchable. And is well made enough, but for me personally, it's just completely shallow and forgettable. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've decided to kind of choose who goes next in order of the least gayest to gayest. Um, I know you guys are in suspense over who I think is the least gay of the <laughs> of you three. So I'm afraid Eric and Nathan will have to remain in suspense what? to see who the qu the queen truly is. Justin as the Justin least gayest. Justin is the queeniest of the three. Justin is the queeniest of all of he us. So obviously you're wrong. He's I the think one who's... Uh, Joseph uh, knows what he's talking about. So anyway, Justin. Justin's the one who wears makeup. I've never settle put down, makeup on. Settle my down, face. ladies. Um, Justin as the least gayest of the three. Yeah. in my opinion. What were your thoughts on Midnight Kiss? Yeah, I kind of wanted it to be better. Um, I think it is, I think serviceable is kind of 
it's a kind of a good term for it really it's um i don't know there's something to be said for these uh, these kind of hulu um or whatever kind of hulu or uh, this kind of straight to streaming movies you see a lot of i i can guess they're kind of versions of what you would see like straight to dvd or straight to vhs back in the um uh the early 90s uh so uh, but they're kind of stripped of personality and this is kind of unfortunately is the, the kind of case with this um it, you i can appreciate what they're trying to do but a film that did it this much much better for me is hellbent which is a movie i'd much rather we were covering um which uh concerned a group of uh gay friends in uh west hollywood during i think it was carnival um being uh, uh, sort of stalked by a killer in a mask which is much, much more um, entertaining, uh, to, for me anyway, than this, and some, a film that I'm sure we will cover at some point. Now, it's not to say I hated this, because kind of, it does kind of a lot of things right. Um, um, it's well acted, uh, there's some gore, um, they kind of uh, invert the kind of nudity thing that you have, like a shower scene, you have lots of, no full frontal nudity, but, but lots of male butts in various stages, you, know, you know, throughout the movie, pretty much everyone um bar a couple of characters uh takes their shorts off at some point um and i thought that the section towards the end um when uh like for about 20 minutes 15 20 minutes i kind of after the halfway point they got quite suspenseful when you've got this kind of the main character which is i think it's cameron isn't it um who uh kind of a date comes they go to a club and uh some a guy comes back you don't know whether or not he might be the killer uh but then he goes missing and he goes looking for him uh and then he kind of realizes i think they come across the body of one of the uh one of their friends uh and um, all the every character seems to disappear off in different directions so you're in a vertical if you don't know who the killer is although it's kind of relatively obvious um so uh but that was fairly suspenseful that kind of running around the house hiding from the killer i that did it you know for me i kind of sat up and took a bit of notice but i don't know it's, it's something about the fact is that I can appreciate making an, um, a thriller for uh, a gay audience or people who are just general audience um, who don't, you know, not don't care about it being a gay thriller, just want a good slash movie. Uh, but why you have to, if you're making a gay thriller, you have to sh- uh, fill it through the sex and sexual stuff all the time. I'm no prude, but it just gets a bit boring and a bit old, you know, really. To be honest, I'd rather an out-and-out slasher movie, which is what Hellbent is, is a much better example of a, a sl- out and out slash movie than this is and if you've not seen it then i definitely recommend going out uh and um, finding that so you know overall it was a bit i think a lot of these movies like school, school spirit and those they kind of there's a kind of blandness to them. there's a kind of polish which doesn't really go nothing much um, goes below the surface so they're kind of almost like ultimate kind of fast food where you can watch it and you've forgotten it uh, and it's kind of similar to this. And, the you know, to be honest, I'm sure we, we'll spoil... I mean, I'll spoil it now. I mean, the fact is that the killer turns out to be Logan, who uh, is played by Lucas Gage, who is... Although I think you said he was kind of recognisable. I mean, he's kind of probably recognisable now because he was in... Um, he's been in quite a few things, and he was in the first series of White Lotus. Uh, he's in the fourth season of You as well. Right, OK. So he's much more recognisable now, but he turns out to be the killer... And he's the kind of fiance of another character, Joel. And he, his, if I'm right, his motive is just that ten years before, um, or whenever it was, sometime before, they were at a New Year's Eve party, and he was kissed by um, the the Cameron character. But 
he took I don't what is even his motive really it's just really poor motive isn't it so kind of overall it is it's it also has that kind of um paucity of scale you know it's it's you have the one scene uh, in the nightclub which kind of goes on forever and it's just kind of like to be honest I've never liked particularly liked nightclubs anyway but they're you know you've just got lots of characters standing around shouting over each other over the music it doesn't really drive the plot forward at all and then what should be that kind of um, and then there were none style thing at the back of the house is it just feels like it has a kind of um, it has that kind of nothing against TV movies but has that kind of that kind of kind of paucity of scale if we're trying to think of a better term um, with that which I think if a film had a, a, a bit more going on in it or a bit um, more ambition uh, it would have been better so overall I didn't hate it it's um, it's a fun enough watch. I think School Spirit is a better example of a slasher from Out of the Dark. Uh, into the but, Dark. Uh, yeah, it's Into the Dark. Sorry, I was it Out of the Dark. I came in mixed up with that other slasher movie, the one from 1987. I think that's got Divine in it, I think. But anyway, the um, yeah, so overall, I, yeah, it's a kind of like, it's a kind of, you know, kind of thumbs middling kind of film. It didn't excite me too much, but it's I've seen a lot worse, put it that way. Hmm. All right, I've left uh, Eric and Nathan in suspense long enough. <laughs> Who is Who this? is going to be the gayest? Well, sorry, Nathan, you're the gayest. Uh-huh. Eric, what did you think of with Midnight Kiss? With all of Kiss? Eric's Bears and Bob Hoskin remarks, well, I'm you the you just gayest. answered your own question with that catty little comeback. <laughs> you were always talking about throwing champagne in people's face <laughs> right. or martinis. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on Midnight Kiss? Okay, well, I really enjoyed Shutter Island. Thank you. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um Okay, so my first impressions of Midnight Kiss were that it wasn't just gay, it was super gay, as I said at the top of the of the episode. Um, I mean, the opening scene has a guy who seems to be allergic to wearing his underpants, and he wanders around with his arse out for what feels like about 20 minutes. Uh, and as the film goes on, it just turns into much more of a major butt fest. Uh, um, I, I mean, that opening murder is quite good, uh, and does kind of imply that the film is going to be a fairly decent slasher film. Uh, The killer has that gimp mask, which which kind of looked kind of Batman-ish as well, I thought. Um, uh, And I assumed that he was murdered because uh, he was reluctant to wear underpants. So watch out, Justin. But didn't you didn't you think it was a bit sort of much that he was trying on all his his underpants, his short swimming shorts, and then went and had a shower? I know it's so weird. It just seemed to be an excuse for to get boys in 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 the nip, basically. Um, so after the the after that initial scene of seeing the guy wandering around naked, I thought this this strikes me as a film that's going to be a, a largely cliched view of the gay community. Uh, that we're all, it was very David Dakota. Almost. It was. It's not like we're all obsessed with having chiseled bodies, which I'm not, and walking around in the nude, which. I only do in the summer and um, you know it packs in all the cliches of the of what gay life is like clubbing promiscuity bitching hookups on grinder, all this type of stuff um, so this was kind of bugging me a bit and as Justin was saying the fact that you have half a dozen gay characters in a villa and two of them are homicidal you know what exactly is the message Um but uh, I, I, did, I did kind of enjoy the film on a soap opera level, I would say. I mean, the various relationships between all the main characters uh, is all but revolves around sex, as you were saying, Joseph. And it, it did irk me that, that um, everything they do is gay. They, you know, 
every conversation involved between these characters is uh, involves doing things that are gay. There, you know, there's nothing. It just irked me, I have to say, because as life as a gay man, as you know, it's not all about clubbing and taking ecstasy and, you know, hooking up on Grinder. It's not all about that. I did like the relationship between Hannah, the uh, the girlfriend, and and Cameron. I thought those two were, were fairly likeable. Um, now, before I watched the film, I checked out the IMDb score, and it's quite low. I think it was a 4.7 out of 10. So my expectations were very low when I started to watch it. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised that I found it fairly watchable. Um, you know, the, the plotting and the, the structure are kind of cookie cutter, and there's nothing terribly remarkable about the film. And the slasher element, I felt, was quite weak, particularly for the first hour of the film. Like, the slasher element is so far in the background that I kept forgetting I was watching what was supposed to be a slasher movie and it felt more like an episode of Queer as Folk Um, uh, now I was trying to think as well had they replaced all of the fit athletic young men with big overweight uh, hairy men would I have enjoyed it more (laughs) and yes I'm so shallow to say that I would have definitely enjoyed it a lot more I think the fact that it's as long as they were dead and decaying (laughs) no (laughs) but just the fact that it's pretty boys walking around with their arses out just does nothing for me and I just found it all kind of bland I suppose Um, I thought the final half hour the action did pick up I mean the the killer yes even I managed to guess it as we were saying even me and even the big red herring scene involving Joel uh, suffocating that guy uh, I wasn't fooled by that. I knew that there was another killer there somewhere and I knew who it was. Um, although, to be honest, I found the slasher section in the last 20 minutes to be probably less engaging than the earlier portion. I mean, I I thought the film was fine. Uh, to me, it's kind of a 6 out of 10 film. In terms of a slasher film, the only real money shot you get, if you'll pardon that phrase is where that really queenie guy gets the broken champagne bottle shoved down his throat apart from that there there's not really a huge amount of slasher mayhem in it um so i thought it was well made uh, i thought the acting was good as justin was saying i liked the characters of hannah and cam so i thought it was fine but um yeah i think hellbent from what i remember is a much better film have you out of interest eric have you seen bear creek no, but I want to. It's from 2007. It's a, a bear slasher movie. Ooh. Apparently. So I oh. think that might be, um, yeah. <laughs> it's got it's, it's got two reviews on IMDb I just looked at, and one of them said, one out of ten unwatchable. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Super gay Nathan. What did you think of Midnight Kiss? You're, he's so gay. Uh I think I lean much more towards Justin's opinion um, in that I think definitely Hellbent is a much better film. Um, And I was really aggravated with this movie uh, because, like Eric said, the opening murder I thought was really well done. And I thought, okay, all right, you know, I could be really on board for this slasher. And then there's like not another death for like 30 minutes. And then that death happens, and then there's nothing else again until the last, like, 15, 20 minutes of the film. So I just feel like there's so much nothingness in this movie where it just meanders on and on. And I'm like, I need, like, there should have been more friends at the house and more deaths because 
Um, I do think that the slasher stuff kind of took a backseat just to relationship dynamics amongst the group. And while I did really like the uh, main guy, Cameron and uh, Hannah, like like Eric, I thought they were, uh, you know, a lot of fun to watch. I particularly love the scene with the sliding doors when like the killer shows up uh, and uh, is like going after Hannah. I thought that was a fun like chase sequence and stuff. So, I mean, there are little things here that, you know, I, I enjoyed in in the movie. But my problem is if you're going to make a slasher movie, like there just needs to be more slashing. I mean, this was just there was just a lot of uh, dialogue um, that I didn't particularly find very interesting, you know, like who used to sleep with who and who used to be uh, in a relationship. And then this weird idea of this guy literally getting engaged to, um, you know, someone he's supposed to be in love with, but then he's so insanely uh, obsessed with another guy that he's willing to kill. If the other guy hooks up, I mean, it's just, it's insane to me. I thought that science in the last slumber party showing up to make a kill made more sense than the second killer in this movie. <laughs> I also just kind of felt like, why did they even do that? Because I didn't think that it really served the plot. I think that you could have taken that out and just had the killer kill that dude. And it wouldn't have changed anything. Um, you know, like majorly because I mean, at the end, yeah. And the, you know, he gets found out that he did that, but it's just so anticlimactic to me. Um, overall, I mean, I, it's tough because it's one of those movies that, you know, I wasn't necessarily bored, but I was, you know, I was just thinking of all the ways it could have been better. And, um, you know, cause you know, they obviously have like a kind of a sheen, a polish to them. Um, because you know, some of the death scenes are, you know, really, uh, well done. I mean, the one guy that gets killed with the bottle, I mean, you know, that was a really good, uh, scene and I hope nobody um, thinks badly of me, but I was actually a little glad that he died earlier on. <gasps> but he was so likable. It was he's one of, of the the characters that I think small doses is is fine. Don't need any you know long conversations with him or anything. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I mean, overall, you know, it's it's all right. I mean, I would probably give it a five out of ten. It's it's not bad. Um, it's not great. Um, it's just kind of there. And unfortunately, um, this is the second time I've seen it. Uh, I didn't remember anything from the first time. And if you ask me, probably in a few weeks, I probably won't remember it again. Um, so you know, that's unfortunate. But you know, some movies just don't have that lasting impression. Some some movies that you pick. <laughs> you all remember Crazy Fat Ethel. Well, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not for the right reasons, maybe. So, okay. Well, any other thoughts on Midnight Kiss before we get delve into what little backgrounds we've probably been able to find on this movie? Yeah, I personally don't really have much else to say on this one. Uh, sorry, Nick. I don't. I, I'm, I'm sure you probably wanted a, a dissertation on its themes, but I just thought it didn't have really any themes to speak of. I just think they could have gone slightly more a better um, uh, kind of uh, sort of motive for the killer. Yeah, just seemed quite a weak motive that um, that you go to all that, that that kind of way to then not your revenge includes getting engaged to one of the characters 
and then living with them for months. But um, do we have any uh, any backgrounds? Anyone got any backgrounds? Uh, well, except that it was directed by Carter Smith. Is that his name? Mm. Uh, who directed The Ruins, which is a really good film, uh, which this one isn't. Yes, he also directed, um, uh, which kind of would kind of be uber gay credentials. He uh, directed Reach for the Stars for S Club Seven, the pop video. Did he? Yeah. Wow. So, so that is probably the the the, 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 the gayest pop video you'll ever see. Um, I think he, he did directed all- a few country music videos too, which is kind of weird. I did see his recent film, The Passenger, with Kyle Gallner. Um, which is is kind of is worth a watch. Have you guys seen that? The Passenger. It was out last year. No, I don't think so. No, it's got never heard of it. Carl Garner. I think he was in um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? And was he also in? Um, God, what's that TV show? The one, uh, the remake, the American one that was. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, he was. He um, is about a kind of a, 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 a Carl Garner plays this. Um, a co-worker at a fast food restaurant who just snaps and kills everyone, all the workers there apart from one guy. And then he makes him come in the car and they kind of drive around. Uh, and this guy's kind of hostage, but he's, um, and he's kind of waiting. He doesn't know how to get away from the, the main guy. So it's kind of quite, it's quite, it's very well done, kind of suspense piece, but uh, it does, it kind of meanders a bit towards the end. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. He's kind of still, well, it's not interesting, but it's good. He's still making movies. But like Eric said, the runes I thought was quite. That was, I mean, I think that was based on the book, mm. but uh, that was a bit more energetic, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Any, anything else, Eric? No, that was it. Nathan, what about you? All the actors were gay, and that was a, a prerequisite, wasn't it, from for Blumhouse? Which I think is good. You know, it's, it was good that they they did that. It's just kind of a strange, in some ways. I was saying, a strange that you've kind of got this as a kind of positive. Um, thing of doing that uh, for a, a gay movie and making sure the characters are played by gay men, um, but then turning out the two of the killers are gay, and making making them all like just kind of cliches as well, which which is fine, I suppose. But yeah, mm. you know what I would have done? I would have had Hannah be the killer, and she's tired of all of them, like only thinking about their sex lives, mm, and Britney Spears. <laughs> so that's what I would have done. Well, that would have been good. Um, and Joseph, do you have any any background or anything else you want to add? Yeah, there's not much on this one, but apparently it was shot mostly in Santa Clarita, California, over a 16-day period. Um, the subject of male nudity came up in relation to this film, and after a bit of worrying whether or not it would pass muster uh, with censors, uh, Blumhouse actually encouraged more male nudity and gave the makers kind of carte blanche to add as much as they wanted. And I think the shower kill of Ryan in the buff at the beginning was added last minute as a result of this conversation. And uh, Lucas Gage, as we said, who plays Logan and who is also the murderer, was actually behind the mask for scenes uh, featuring the killer. So I don't believe any stuntmen were used. And I believe he remarked at one point that it was hotter, hot as hell inside that pup mask. Um, as we said before, the Into the Dark series from Hulu ran from 2018 and ceased production in 2021 and featured 24 basically full-length feature films acting as episodes, um, with Midnight Kiss being the 16th overall. Um, of those personally, I've seen Puka, I'm Just Fucking With You, School Spirit, and of course Midnight Kiss. I have not seen the remainder, 
And um, after watching Midnight Kiss, I'm honestly in no hurry. Um, but yeah, that's about it, I'm afraid. Um, Lucas Gage, as I said, was in the fourth season of You. I think he played a bully in um, some, it might have been a Disney kind of family film. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but he's kind of, he's like the one lone uh, face in this movie that you would recognize from other stuff. So obviously he's going to turn out to be the killer. But um, yeah, that's all I could really dig up on this one. Um, I have one more thing. Uh, there is a Hallmark uh, movie called A Midnight Kiss. So don't get that one confused with this one if you're going to go watch. That's the one I kept coming up on IMDb when I was looking for it. Well, I think it's probably more likely the um, uh, Hallmark fans would probably get a bit of a shock if they started watching this. I've got a couple of little bits to to add. One was there was I found an interview with Carter Smith from 2019, um, an interview with a website called Queer Horror Movies. I'll just read a, read a little bit of a quote from him. He says, We spent so many years having to wade through subtextual and coded representations in genre films. There's no shortage of queer subtext, sure, but it never really felt fair to me that I didn't get to see myself in the movies I love growing up. Midnight Kiss is a start. Hopefully one day we'll have horror movies with Midwestern gays and East Coast gays and small town gays and we'll get the same broad representation that straight characters have enjoyed for so long. Both Erlinger Thorodzen, sorry, I'm murdering that name, and I spoke at length about this in pre-production. Midnight Kiss is the movie that both of us wished we had had growing up. So I think it's kind of interesting sort of saying about um, the, uh, you know, the, 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 there've been so many kind of uh, uh, subtext and various things all the way through um, horror movies. In fact, there's actually really good on Shudder. There's, I think it may even be called Queer Horror, when it kind of looks at that, the representation of the monsters uh, through a kind of queer lens. Um, uh, it's about four or five part, uh, which goes right back to the kind of the early days of horror uh, and through sort of uh, to sort of uh, latter representations. But again, I would have the issue with the fact is that he talks about a broad representation, but this doesn't feel like a broad representation. It feels like a very narrow representation of of stereotypes, which is where I kind of take kind of issue with it. I was going to say the same thing. It's like I, as the lone straight person on this show, I don't feel too comfortable bringing this up. But is this is this what he really thinks is representation? Just a bunch of guys who want to fuck. I mean, that's fine. I'm not a prude or anything, but there's more. There should be more to their characters. I don't think it's a very great generalization at all. No, it's kind of, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at sort of like through some of the other kind of gay slashes, so we've mentioned Hellbent, which again, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. I think it's a much better movie. Um, we covered Knife and Heart, didn't we? The French movie about a year or so ago. Which was also better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although again, that is... Cruising. Yeah, cruising, of course. Uh, there's also Make-A-Wish, which is the kind of lesbian slasher from, I think, 2004, uh, which is uh, worth worth a look. I mean, there are others out there. There's um, uh, There was Drop Dead Gorgeous. No, is Drop Dead Gorgeous? No, um, maybe. No, Death Drop Gorgeous, which I couldn't. I started to watch and I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes of it. I don't know. Did you see that, Nathan? I didn't finish it either, I have to say. Yeah, it was kind of striving for that kind of John Waters-esque thing. And I, I it was of, trying too hard. Yeah, it was trying too hard, I thought. And it just kind of, I, yeah, it didn't work for me. Um, but I might give it another watch at some point. But, of course, if you do want to see, I mean, this for me, this is the, the film this reminded me of most in a lot of ways, was um, the endless David Dakota movies. 
which have got lots of kind of young men in their underpants <laughs> 13, running. 13 series, yeah. Yeah, running around houses in their underpants being chased by a killer or a demon or whatever. Um, so, uh, but with less kind of like hand-wringing and uh, sort, of, sort of queerest folk kind of sitting around talking about relationships. So at least uh, it, arguably the David Dakota movie is a little bit more honest about what they're trying to achieve, you know, arguably. If you're watching one of those, it's very obvious the only reason to watch it. Yeah. So having said that, I you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to know what the makers of Midnight Kiss think about it, um, you know, five or so years later. Uh, I it, it's, it's great to see that these kind of movies are being made, but I think there's kind of more interesting uh, ways. And also kind of more, you know, if you are, like I think you said, Nathan, if you're going to make a slasher movie, make a slasher movie. Um you know, you don't need a budget for a slasher. You know, this is kind of like got TV budget. You, you don't need a budget for a slasher movie. And when the suspense kicks in in this, it's done pretty well. So it could have done, it just could have done with more and a, a better motive, I think. Uh, it would have been made for a better movie. But uh, yeah, so what was the kind of consensus on the group, Joseph, on this one? Uh, 19 comments for Midnight Kiss. Uh, and from that, this one says, it's a gay slasher and there are so few so it does quite well for what it is. I love the cast and the overall style and aesthetic. And that's from our friend Jake Helgren. Uh, this one says, never heard of it or seen it, but I know I hate it. And that's from Robert Long. Um, yeah, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all that we're doing. Listen on Amazon, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and about a billion other podcatchers, both good and terrible. Join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per month to help support the show. Or if you're financially inclined, select a tier that fits your budget for that extra monthly bonus content. That's patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues all one word. That goes for our email address as well. The hysteria continues at gmail.com. Over to you, Justin, the queen B. <laughs> queen A or no, queen C perhaps. Yep. Depends which way we're looking at it. But um, yeah, thank you, and also Jake Helgren, of course, a friend of the show, and uh, he's a director. He's a director as well. He's made quite he's a number of slasher movies um, himself. So over the years, so yeah, always good to hear from him, and of course Robert as well. So, uh, do we have any feedback this time before we get on to Eric's joke of the week? <laughs> no feedback. No feedback. We've had quite a run of it, haven't we? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so do do write in and let us know. Um, uh, so, Eric, I can guess it is time. Let me just pull up the sound, the jingle. Let's see if you've, uh, let's see what your midnight kiss joke is. It's my joke of the week. It's so, so fantastic. What do you call someone who really fancies people with mortgages? A homeowner sexual. Homeowner sexual. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> wow, that special, was very offensive. Special LGBTQ plus content for you this week. Well, thank you, Eric. That was um, that must have taken, you must have been boring and uh, over that for hours. Trying I to sat down here at 1.58pm, realised I didn't have a joke <laughs> of the week and wrote it before you had time to ring at two o'clock. <laughs> That's kind of what I imagine your joke writing um, ritual is, isn't it? Only about 80% of the time. <laughs> okay. 
So, okay, well, uh, this is going to be a short episode, um, only because, uh, I don't know, well, there's not a great deal to say about Midnight Kiss, unfortunately, although I, I appreciate uh, Nick suggesting it for us, um, and given, like you said, his comments, uh, Joseph, it doesn't sound like he's an uber fan of the movie anyway, but I think there's some interesting things to be said about it, which hopefully we've touched on, certainly in a wider context anyway, of kind of representation in horror. Um but uh, so obviously from this, we're going to some, much, something much more highbrow and thought provoking, aren't we, Nathan? What is your pick for us next time? Uh, my pick is the wonderful film Sledgehammer from 1983. Yes, the um, that was all the slow-mo was referring to, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. There's lots of slow-mo. Mm. Slow-mo shit on video. <laughs> shit on video. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you just haven't seen it again, again. Mm, yes. Well, what's one of those movies? It takes like several viewings to really appreciate it. So I hope you guys watch it more than it once. It takes several viewings to make it through to the end. <laughs> you t- you're talking about the the nuance and the um, the undercurrents and the kind of the hidden subtext of Sledgehammer. Yes, I mean, there's like relationships, like the drama here. In uh, Midnight Kiss, there's relationship drama in Sledgehammer. There's the wonderful, you know, heart-touching scene where um, the main guy, like, balances his beer can on his um, girlfriend's head. In slow motion, (laughs) wow, dramatic. Is that because they were trying to reach kind of 80-minute running time? Everything goes in slow motion all the time. Maybe. It may have been a way to kind of... I always just felt that somebody like really loved using slow motion when they made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, well, we're going to uh, we're going to sign off now. We're just about to go and record our Patreon episode for Luigi Cozy's Contamination from 1980. So if you fancy hearing that, come to join us over on Patreon. Um, but otherwise, catch us next time uh, on the History Continues and for a little bit of sledgehammer. So, Joseph, what are we playing out with? Uh, this song is called Kiss Me at Midnight by Pansy Division. I've never heard it, but it seemed fitting. Okay, were they kind of like a sort of riot girl type, sort of queer riot girl group? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, probably an, an, apt, an apt choice. This so. was a quick Google search because I couldn't think of a, <laughs> a song to play out with. Excellent. Okay, right. Okay, well, thanks for listening and catch us next time. And, um, yeah, so uh, say goodbye from me, the least gay on the <laughs> podcast. Um, and on to you next, Eric, uh, as the second I'm the second gay. most gay. But Nathan's the gayest of us all. Oh, Queen Nathan. I think Joseph is the gayest of us all. Ah, yes. there's a twist. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the twist. That twist. twist ending. Yeah. So you, you didn't get a very good twist in the movie, so we, we offer you one on the show. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, we love you all, and uh, so we'll sign off with Midnight Kiss, and we'll catch you next time on Hysteria Continues. So thank you for listening, and say goodbye to the good people. Bye. So long. Goodbye. Bye. the worst year But it wasn't the best And now that it's ending I'm glad to put it to rest 